Hey, welcome back to the Sunday Morning Coffee edition of Pigeon Hockey, where we either interview someone in the hockey world or just catch up and maybe even talk some hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Ben. Qu'est-ce qui se passe le bon? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we're just a washed-up goalie a washed-up comedian that do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. Today, we want to introduce our special guest, the commissioner of the Eastern Ontario Junior Hockey League, Mark Frosch. Mark, welcome to the show. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your weekend to jump on with us. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I always, always have time to talk hockey. And so, <laughs> well said. So we like doing on Sunday morning coffee, just catching up, talking hockey. So that said, uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what eventually led you to becoming the commissioner of the EOJHL. Yeah, so um, I, at an early age, uh, my dad, uh, my dad put me on skates, and uh, he had played in the in the minors, and he played uh, pro lacrosse as well. So he was an athlete, and uh, second, uh, I was the first born. So by the time I was two, he put me in uh, put me on skates, and I've been uh, loving the game ever since. So I, I played, uh, you know, minor hockey, played uh, in the Ottawa region for the Gloucester Rangers, and uh, um, you know, and uh, I played. Uh, Junior and then CJHL and um, realized that uh, probably an NHL career wasn't in the, in the making for me. So uh, I, um, I started working in the real world, but uh, always, uh, you know, started transitioning to coaching as a non-parent coach in my 20s. And then uh, once uh, once I started a family, I uh, coached my son. And then after that, I went back to being a non-parent coach. And then uh, after a couple of years of that, uh, I had uh, we had my daughter and uh, my wife was saying, well, it's really nice and great that you're making everybody else's kids better at hockey, but maybe it's time that you, you know, take time away from uh, coaching higher levels and start coaching your daughter. So I started coaching her team and then, uh, you know, and uh, when she got old enough to age out, when it's... Uh, comes to non-parents they want non-parent coaches and stuff so I stepped aside and you know this opportunity uh, came up and uh, put my name and uh, I had a couple of interviews and I was luckily enough to get selected so uh, again I've done everything else in hockey except for you know drive a Zamboni and not uh, <laughs> any commissioner jobs so I figured I put my name in the throw my name in and uh, I was lucky enough to get selected so I'm really excited and really proud to have this position. Well, don't give up on your dream to drive that Zamboni. You're the commissioner. Well, let them make make them let you. Say, yeah. so, some some somebody will want a favor sometime, so I'll make it happen. <laughs> I, I used to drive a station wagon, Mark. Somebody told me it's not that different. There you go. Can't be that. Yeah, so it can't be that difficult. Just have to make sure to pump the water, and I'm not going to be one of those soap uh, crease kind of guys either. Thank there, you. Well, As a goalie, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so, Mark, I'm going to plead ignorance, which is something that, you know, our regular listeners will know we do quite often. Uh, in fact, that whenever we say something smart, I think they're more surprised. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, when I think of commissioners, often what I'm thinking about are rules and regulations, dealing with some of the issues or challenges that might escalate rele- uh, relevant to teams or individuals. What are the other core responsibilities of a commissioner? Well, um, the the good thing is that um, because it's a again we're not uh, we're not a multi billion dollar million we're not even I think we're yes. a thousand like you know just a thousand air league you know so it's <laughs> uh, it, 
it it really goes down to everything like or like i'm i'm grassroots like um like you joke about driving the zamboni but uh you know like if uh you know if somebody calls and said like i never know what day to day like it's kind of been fun you wake up and you think okay your day's set and you're going to do this and you have to address this but then there's a you know a couple of little items that come up that you didn't think you'd have to address like uh like uh, deals with um, like we have a good uh, a good equipment uh, sponsorship deal with a ccm for um, you know so they're the exclusive equipment supplier for our league so i have to deal with those uh, those salesmen and uh, what the you know the you know the contracts uh, you know they they're the, the procurement of that um again rules and regulations uh, implementation of bylaws being like i'm basically the gatekeeper of the bylaws of the league even though the board of governors is comprised of uh, one person representing each team um they they all vote on it and they agree to it but then when it comes to you know uh, them having an advantage by circumventing it, all of a sudden they seem to have amnesia and forget about that bylaw they voted in two years ago. So it's basically being the gatekeeper of the bylaws and, uh, you know, keeping, um, you know, making sure that we have the best, uh, you know, the best kind of product and we're representing the league well and not having any issues that uh, would bring a, a black eye to, to the league or to hockey in the, in the area. I, that's awesome context. Thank you for Mark. It sounds like you, you got to be ready at a moment's notice to do whatever's called on with, you know, a lot of things that you're probably doing every day, but also a lot of surprises. But follow up question is with all of those different responsibilities, you're a very important man for this league. What's the most exciting and the most challenging thing that you found so far about your new role? New, new since May anyway. Yeah, um, no, it's it's been just the the overall like um, you know being able to work in partnership with all the owners and um, you know being able to bring um, like my experiences and my background and helping them like uh, have their vision uh, like some teams like I've, I've, since I started I've, I've strongly encouraged uh, as many teams as possible to get sixteen year olds um, you know uh, we each each team has two sixteen year old cards and I'm strongly encouraging all of them you know at the beginning to get Get uh, to two 16-year-olds to get them in into junior hockey earlier, because our two two of our most famous alumni, um, Mac Weger, who plays for the Florida Panthers, and Paul Byron, who played for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, both started a junior hockey career in in our league. So you know, and and it's you know, it's not everybody's path uh, unless your name is McDavid or Crosby. Not everybody's going to be a 16-year-old uh, playing major junior. You know, there's a lot of paths to hockey. So it's kind of helping and and also educating the players and the families uh, of these players as to what we offer. So that's been kind of exciting and getting out there and getting the word out that, you know, and, you know, uh, that we're not just a, a second tier league. There, there's an option because kids develop at different paces and also helping the teams kind of, you know, get the, uh, one of the biggest things is, is getting, you know, the social media, getting social media platforms involved and, and, you know, making them aware that you control the content and you can be your own advertising. You don't have to, like in the good old days, take out a page in the paper and stuff like that, or the flyer at church, you control the content and you have so many, so many things like that are available to you now for social media that you control your message and you can be your own marketing company. So that's making teams aware and the league aware of that has been very, uh, it's been probably the most satisfying thing, bringing us into the, you know, the 2020s as opposed to, you know, like a, taking, taking stuff out in print ads and stuff like that. Like, and it, you know, it's so, it's so lightning fast. If, if you know published news within the minute it happens, it's, it may as well be a month old. 
Yeah, and I've noticed that there's a lot of teams um, because I follow or we follow a lot on this uh, on this podcast a lot of junior teams from all over North America, and there are certain teams that their social media presence, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and beyond are on point like they are on it their graphics are clean crisp everything identifies hey they come to the games this is the highlights these are the features this is the price and then there's other teams where they have little to no media presence they might have a twitter account they haven't updated since february 2019 and they just they're not out there and you can realize when you're watching the games because i'll watch basically any game from any league as well that Okay, well, this team is not filling the stands, but then you look at their social media presence and it's almost non-existent. It's like, okay, well, if they were more existent on on social media and such, they could maybe get more uh, get more butts in the seats and and help support that team. So, I guess leading out of that is, what are some of your long-term visions and goals for the league moving forward? Yeah, um, again, it's it's about um, you know you don't have to have the you know the 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 zoomy you know the crazy the crazy jerseys and like having 17 sets of jerseys like the NHL or you know like we're we're not um, like I said we're not like we're not our budgets aren't crazy but you can give it I've told the owners and and the board of governors once I started I said you can give the league a big league feel by investing time and effort into your social media presence and we're uniquely positioned here in Ottawa because you have, um, for example, you have uh, Carlton U who has probably one of the strongest journalism uh, programs anywhere in the country and you have, um, you know, the social media, uh, uh, you know, the, also at Algonquin College, they have a strong program and they have a sports management and they have, you know, different advertising. So it, it's going and um, I have meetings set up to, to meet with uh, people from, from those groups to be able to say, hey, like um, we've got a lot of people that, that started off in the EOJHL or the CCHL in Ottawa that have um, that started off like with um, having content or, you know, being the, the, the Twitter guy or Instagram or just doing play by play. And now they, they've moved on uh, like to, to bigger and better things. So, um, you know, like it, it's nothing it's you're not going to be making a ton of money but it's your foot in the door and it helps start your resume so it's a it's a win-win situation we get a good uh, a young eager person that wants to know and wants to be in this business and then in turn we get there to raise uh, the, the the status of, a, of of their own franchise and again if it happens on social media it translates into butts in the seats and that's at the end of the day um, they realize holy cow this is reasonably priced entertainment it's a good night of hockey and, you know depending on where you live you don't have to go Go very far and when you leave you're not spending uh, you know you're not a thousand dollars poorer like when you go to the sends game and you're not sitting in the parking lot for half an hour and buying ten dollar <laughs> yeah. beers you know like it's 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 all these things that and, and you're seeing local kids it might be you know the the neighbor's kid up the street or it may be the you know like uh, one of your your kids classmates or the kid that you know so it, it like and, and i think there's something lost about um, you know like everybody focusing on all the time about uh, major league sports yeah sure it's fun to watch and cheer the sends on and and you know watch the nfl on sunday but uh like there's still something to be said to to go watch in uh, minor hockey and and junior hockey as well like it's people you know and it's encouraging your community so um you know those those are some of the things that i want to see us promote and 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 become like uh like if it, i don't even know if the kids use this word a hipper more uh you know up, up to date league you know as as it comes to content 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, the, one of the important factors moving forward with a lot of teams is to get those uh, butts in the seats. Is I think once they realize how exciting this level of hockey can be, because obviously the National Hockey League and, and a lot of major sports leagues out there have the funds and the the staff to build these big displays and, and get people in the seats where, you know, like grassroots hockey and a lot of these smaller organizations all over the continent, they don't have those budgets. They don't have those staffs. But if they get the right people in there and they can really show how exciting the junior level of hockey is, because for me, I love the junior level hockey. I think it's better than the NHL. It's like, yeah, they make it up to the NHL and they, you know, you got the best players in the world there. Right. And so that's where everybody who plays hockey dreams to be. But I think the passion at the junior level Especially when you build up these rivalries, because a lot of time these leagues uh, like the EOJHL, you're playing the same like 12, 13, 14 teams. And if it's split into like conferences, it's even more so you're playing like the five, six, seven, eight teams routinely. So the animosity builds and the passion builds. And I think that there, it's the level of excitement in, in a league like the EOJHL is just I don't think it's quite captured yet by like social media in terms of like. You know, obviously the the multiple camera angles and, and the announcers yeah. and everything, but the level of hockey and the passion of hockey, if people are in the rink, you feel it and you yeah. have to go to the rink to feel it. Yeah, hundred percent. And and like for example, like this year when we were when we were rolling out our plan, we we're like a, in usually our league is, is sixteen teams and it's a fully interlocking schedule. So you play uh, more in your east and east west conference. You play more games and then you have one crossover game in the west if you're in the east and and one home and away. But this year with co and when we were kind of rolling out and we had to make plans and these plans were being made in June and July and August when we we had our annual meeting. Uh, you know we said okay well just to cut down on exposure and and so we said um, east will stay in the east west will stay in the west. And uh, the two teams will meet in the finals. Well, now you're playing each team way more. So, and the the distance, like I went to the game last week between in Embrim, between Embrim and Castleman. Well, you know, it was palpable. Like the stands were packed and and you could see that they they were kind of already they were kind of already like a, a bit cheesed off at seeing oh this guy again I have to deal with this <laughs> like and you and as a hockey guy you can feel it and and you can't like you said you can't fake intensity and you can't uh, fake passion and, and that's what these kids have in spades because again if they're here for like uh, you know there's some kids that will be here for a while but uh, some kids that are 18 and 19 have been lucked over for like for major junior or like other junior leagues so they do have a chip on their shoulder so they do play with passion so again it's it's something that you know again you, you you can't you can't oversell like it's one thing to watch a game on tv but it's totally different when you go it's totally it's totally different experience no matter what level of hockey i'd rather go to a game and freeze my butt off than than watch it on on uh, on tv i completely agree mark listening to you talk and and kind of describe your career as well. I'm reminded of the way that a lot of my family members and friends who are teachers talk about their jobs. I think this has really been an interesting eye-opening series uh, for me. The more coaches that we get to talk to, the more I get a sense of the passion for developing young people. And, you know, talking to my teacher friends and family members, they often debate which group of young people is more fun and more important to develop? Is it you know, the very young, like grade level one, 
where maybe we have more interesting experiences, but, you know, it's debatable what kind of impact we have based on some of the conversations, or maybe it's, you know, the high schoolers or older kids. In in your experience, having coached at all levels, do you have a, a favorite uh, age group, both in terms of just having fun, but also in terms of just the importance to be a good role model and to develop the, the young people? Yeah, like it, Again, I've had the chance, like uh, when I started, I started um, um, as an assistant uh, in Northern Ontario of a AAA midget team. So that was, uh, you know, that and and I coached junior and, and midget AAA uh, recently. And that has its, you know, its own rewarding things, like where you're you're actually like you're, you're teaching, you know, finer points of things. It's not about, OK, we're going to do a T start or a V start or we're going to do a two foot stop. You're, you're just finding you're like. Your, the teaching level, it's just fine tuning um, a player that's already got a lot of basic skills. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, and, and that has its own rewards and you are actually coaching and it makes a difference. Whereas like, you know, when game, when you're doing Timbits or a novice or Adam, you're just basically opening and shutting the door and just like who, you know, which mom, brought, uh, you know, which parent brought the Capri Suns after the game and everybody's happy. But in the younger levels, you see them make strides so much quicker. So it's, you, they, you can see the, you know, the, the work reward ratio happens so much faster with those kids. So it, it's encouraging that way. And uh, so they both like, again, like I've, I've, I've done both and um, I find it. And, and what was fun this uh, past uh, spring is um, one of my uh, guys I grew up with has a younger family and uh, he asked me uh, to be a, a spring coach of his kids team where or novice going into Adam. And um, I was able to transition uh, my level hockey and my level coaching with my kids. So uh, my kids were coaching with me. So it was, you know, it was a great experience because like we were we were working together and I'd coach both of them and so to hear them talk to the kids and saying repeating thinking that you know like they don't listen to your parents at the best of time but repeating the stuff that I used to tell the kids uh, you know when I was coaching them and they were telling these these kids it was so like it was it was like it was too bad it was compressed because of COVID because we had we only had uh, two tournaments but it was such a great experience so again and uh, again I, I can't I can't really pick one, but for example, when you coach the older kids, like I got a call um, uh, from uh, two players that I coached in midget and then junior and saying, Hey, uh, coach Mark, do you want to come out and go golfing with us? Like, so we went out, had beers, you know, like, and it wasn't like I wasn't their coach anymore. We were peers and, uh, you know, we were there, played around. Hey, do you want to stay out for a drink and uh, some, have some chicken wings on the patio? So it was just like, it, it was so rewarding because I was able to see them transition and they both graduated university, started working. And, and it was like, uh, you can't even put a price tag on that kind of experience. Like it was such a great night and I came back and it was like, a, I had been gone for six hours and it felt like it was six minutes. So, and you know, there's a lot, I can't really put one specific thing, like which is more that's it, to me, it's all equal. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see when kids get it, whether it's with a, you know, they will stand up in Timbits or if they're able to do a saucer backhand pass when they're playing midget or junior. Yeah. And I think that's awesome to see. You, you get to see the impact of not only what you're coaching there on the ice, but who they develop into and being able to have that experience. Uh, that's, that's really cool that you get to, you know, now at the peer level, you can go out and have beer and wings and yeah, that's, I think that's like you said. I don't think you can put a price tag on that. I think no, that. Well, and 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 it's not a like again like I, I like it'd be cool if I'd be able to say well yeah I coached uh, you know so and so who's had 12 years in the NHL and then you know he scores his first goal and he skates by his dad and flicks me the puck and saying you know Mark 
Uh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Like, you know, that's, that's just luck of the draw. But for example, I got a, I got an email from one of the players I coached in U18 saying, I'm applying for medical school. Uh, would you be a reference for me? Like, you know, so there's, there's more wins, you know, away from the rink. Like that kind of stuff is the stuff that, you, you know, like uh, just to say that he thinks enough of me to say, okay, do you want to be a, a reference for me when I apply for this? Like, you know, it's, it's like there's more there's more likeliness, uh, more likelihood of those things happening than a kid making it to the NHL. And that's what that's what it's all about. Right. Absolutely. And for anyone that's listening to this, if they're very familiar with NutraZone, one of the episodes that just released is uh, from Tom Ward, who's the uh, head coach of the Shattuck St. Mary's team there. And yeah, he'll talk about like Crosby and McKinnon and Taze and those guys coming through. He's like, but the school has a lot of players that pump through. And I guess one of his most rewarding experiences is, is again, he's like, when you get to see these guys and he's like a lot of them will make the nhl some of them will some will make div one he's like but you see them because husbands and fathers and business owners and you're part of all of that and yeah. that's the rewarding part he's like yeah some will make the nhl some you, you know the second they walk in that's this this kid's going to the nhl but it isn't necessarily about that in the school it's about developing these young men and women to you know make it to the next stage of life and develop the person not the hockey player yeah and and what was funny is that um, with uh, like when you say like when I started I was I started coaching I was 21 and I was coaching midget teams so there, there were kids that were 16 and 17 so now I, after losing touch with some of them and you know the Facebooks and all these so so you wind up catching back up and catching up to speed with them and um, and uh, you know the one kid I, I caught up with and he he's telling me yeah I'm coaching now and stuff and da 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 and uh, the, the probably the the one that was the the strange just was I was playing in an old timers tournament here in Ottawa and I'm lining up uh, and, and, and the player in the opposing, opposing team goes, coach Mark, coach Mark. Said, I'm looking around. He goes, yeah, it's me. It's uh, Simone Lajeunesse. And I coached him in when he was, when he was peewee and he was peewee. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I was 23, 24 years old. And I'm sitting there like, are you like, are you cheating? Do you lie about your age? Like, are you wow. supposed to be here? He goes, no, no, I'm 45. And I'm saying, Oh my God. So it's just, you know, like, it's, it's just like, you're a little, how's your dad? It's like the kid's six foot three. He wound up, uh, he wound up playing in the queue and stuff, but now he's just a, just a beer leaguer, just like the rest of us. And, and that's the thing I always said, like when I, when I took, I, I, like when I, coach the older kids I always said you know like we all start hockey in Timbits and you all finish in beer league the only difference is is how long you take between Timbits some guys you know have longer careers but you know everybody starts in Timbits and everybody ends up in beer league it just depends how much time you spend in between and don't forget that that I don't ever I want to see everybody that coach hopefully still playing beer league or enjoying to go on the outdoor rink and stuff. I don't ever want to see a kid saying, well, I stopped playing hockey because of you or what you did or what you said and knock on wood. I've never had that happen. You know, this is reminding me too. It, it seems like we define all of our hockey milestones by food. So the Tim bits, right. We got a donut yep. reference to get to the beer yes. league. I mean, what's in the middle yes. There's probably a cheeseburger it's league it, that we need to start. Subway, Subway, Subway. And uh, it's all Subway and uh, booster juice. Cause that's when everybody's going to the NHL, right? So you're eating healthy and stuff. You're having a booster juice. You're not having there McDonald's or, or fountain pop. Like we used to when we were kids, like, you know, so it's Who it's knows? breakfast time over here, Mark. So this is uh, this is torture right now. But <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, this is you know, Chris. We usually ask our our guests 
because it is breakfast time for me out here on the West Coast. Uh, what is your perfect breakfast, Mark? I think this is the part of the show where we relax a bit and go away from from some of the uh, the more job focused question and try to get to know the the man behind the voice a little bit. So again, thinking about breakfast, if it's if it's a weekend, you got time and you're like, oh, I want to go get the perfect breakfast meal. Where are you gonna head? Um, like it's it's for me, it's the big uh, the big traditional dirty breakfast, what I call like everything fry, everything buttered, like you know, like I'm not one of those like, oh, I'm cutting the butter. No, no. It's like two eggs over easy. Uh, two or three yeah. meat, whatever. If they want to give me the sausage, bacon, and and hash, like and uh, what sausage, bacon, ham. Yes, I'll take all three meats. Thank you very much. I'll get uh, you know brown toast, so I don't feel as guilty. And uh, you know, and if uh, depending on <laughs> depending on where it is, like if it's um, you know like uh, in eastern Ontario here, we have a lot of good beanery, so I get the big beans. Or if I'm in you know yeah. in, the, in the New England area, yeah, to me the big dirty breakfast there, and then after that. Uh, once I, you know, I leave and here I'm lucky because we have uh, um, broadways and it's uh, it's not just around the corner. So it's walking distance. But most of the time I'm really lazy and I drive. So but but again, like it's it's uh, with with COVID and the pandemic kind of forced us to, to not be lazy. So, you know, we had to. So I've come up with my own version of the big what I call the big dirty breakfast with my family. And I, I like and it's good because whenever, you know, especially with the pandemic, with everybody not going around it. It forced us not to be at hockey and everything, so it became a, a Sunday morning thing that we'd have uh, the big uh, the big breakfast as a family. So it's not as like it's not as good because you have to make it. It takes more time, but it, it's fun to share that. The bit I like, yeah, that that for me is the eggs, the hash browns, the whole the whole shebang. That's my that's my go-to. That is your the perfect point. Breakfast. It, it it's the perfect breakfast, and if you have that wheat toast, it's technically healthy. Exactly. You don't <laughs> exactly. have to feel bad. That's like when you eat the giant double cheeseburger, but there's a piece of lettuce on it. It's like, yeah. That's a vegetable, guys. I'm doing it's healthy. It's a salad. So, yeah, but, <laughs> but I've been reverting to the Texas toast there. So I've been a big fan of the thicker toast. And I won't lie to you, it's, it's usually white bread, and I really don't care. So it's everything slathered in butter, and I love it. Mm. Mm. And I'm I, like, it is six o'clock. I have to look at the clock here. It is six o'clock at night here. Now all I want is breakfast. Yeah. So. I'm thinking when we're done recording, I'm going to follow up with Sunday morning coffee and actually make some coffee and cook myself some eggs. And I think yeah. that's all I have is eggs and toast right now. Dang it. Anyway, yeah. I'll figure something out. <laughs> but, <laughs> so w- when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, like uh, like, like everybody else, I think I wanted to play in the NHL and stuff. And I like and, and back then, like uh, I was a product of like a. I, my formative years were in the seven, like when I was a little kid, it was the seventies. So it wasn't like it is today, like where you have like the different sports channels and everything. So it was just like, you only had the hockey game Saturday night. So we'd, uh, you know, I was a kid, we'd, we'd watch that and it was like, I'd watch it with my dad and my grandfather. So we, we'd go there, we'd go watch, uh, the French, uh, the French wrestling from seven to eight. And then at eight o'clock, the, uh, their hockey game would start in Montreal Canadiens. So a good Franco-Ontarian family. So we're always supporting the Habs. And then, you know, I thought, okay, yeah. But as I got older and I realized that, you know, I'm not as good as, I, as I'd like to think I am. So then I, I kind of looked and I said, well, I just either wanted to be a teacher or a policeman. So, um, you know, I, I went and I had uh, two uncles that are their policemen. So I went that route. And by, you know, I, I went on to be an instructor, uh, you know, and, and uh, firearms and 
instructor and I taught at the, the police colleges and as well, uh, I've coached the whole time. So I've had the best of both worlds. I was able to become a policeman and I still am and, and uh, still, um, you know, pursue my passion of teaching by, by coaching hockey and, and by teaching within uh, different police, uh, uh, like, you know, firearms instructor or the, you know, uh, teaching at the police college. So I've, I've been pretty lucky. I've had uh, the chance to, to follow my two passions. No, that's actually that, awesome. That is awesome. I mean, Mark, you, you got to basically live your dream. I mean, when I was a kid, my dream was to be a dinosaur. Nah, see, that's and, tough. And that's I've tough been day. disappointed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> when, I was, when I was actually, when I was younger, um, I thought I said I'd want to be a priest or a pope because you only work on Sundays, you know? And then and then my dad told me, he says, like, he goes, you better focus on being a priest. There's not a lot of pope jobs. And then after that, when I got a little bit older and I hit puberty and I realized, okay, I like girls. So, you know, you can't be married and a priest. So that that job uh, opportunity went by the wayside. And I, like, I, I appreciated the work. So I figured, okay, I can't, again, you realize that, uh, you know, priests don't just don't work on Sundays. So I figured, okay, I'll find, I'll find some other passion to follow and and i wound up with uh policing and 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 coaching although the the pope does get that cool car so there's at least yeah. another and, yeah and the hat and the, oh, pope the hat. hat he's <laughs> the only guy that has a hat like that phenomenal so so chris in addition to uh some of the clergy obviously probably a lot of people that influenced you i'd love to know some of your favorite hockey players growing up and, and you know if i think back to me granted i, I know we're slightly different generations but like i I had a, a magazine article, like they had a, a cover of Patrick Waugh that I clipped out and put on my wall like it was a poster. So I just loved like, you know, the kind of uh, attitude guys like Patrick Waugh and, uh, and Yager who had like kind of a cool thing about them too. Who who are your favorite hockey players growing up or or as an adult, who are your favorite hockey, like famous hockey players? Yeah. Yeah, when I when I was growing up, because again we watched Montreal Canadiens and it was like the 70s, 80s when they in their heyday, it was like I was a big Steve Shutt guy, like just a you know and just like not like again Guy Lafleur, he was the flashy like the you know like all sizzle and everything, he was all world, and but I was just more like I could relate more to Shutt, which was more just a up and down. He still scored 50 goals and is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, an exceptional hockey player, but he, he was just more like the, the unsung like unsung guy that just took care of business and got it done so i really liked the way he carried himself and larry robinson and you know uh you know and like and even and even when i was a kid like we we had the, the barrett brothers like fred barrett who was like a who was a local legend here played uh, for the minnesota north stars and he was like um you know and after he was done playing he became a fireman and he would run hockey school so it was kind of cool to see and he was a guy that played against gretzky like you know he's played in the late 70s 80s so like the local guys that were we saw growing up like so and they they gave back and running hockey schools and stuff like that and you know like right now just like some of the what some of the guys do like you you, you know it's again it's next like you, you look at like like nate mckinnon like he's as big uh, as as a house and he moves like he has the moves of a smaller like you know like it used to be when i was a kid you're either the big you're either the you know the, the the roller the paint roller or you're the fine brush right well now these guys are combining both like he's as big <laughs> like you know he's as big as a power forward and he can do all the stuff at high speed so it's just to me it's just the the you know that i'm just keep getting amazed how bigger and faster and how everything's getting and um like like and even victor a guy like victor hedman like 
He's yeah. six foot six, and he's like he's logging in third, like in significant games. He's logging in. He's playing half the game, and yeah, he's but he's still like top notch, no mental mistakes, able to run the power play, do the skill stuff, and also do the the you know thing when it comes to like I say, big boy hockey, uh, play heavy minutes and play heavy hockey. He's able to do it. So yeah, they, it's just incredible to see the difference from from when you used to see like guys, you know, would be having beers and smokes in between uh, periods uh, in the seventies and eighties, you know, and now like they're, they're like thoroughbreds. That's, that's, I absolutely love that point. Cause I was actually watching a, a TV special the other day, just about even at, at every level, every type of athlete is so fundamentally different over the last 30, 40, hundred years, you know, back in the day, we didn't even think people could run under a four minute mile. And now it's not that uncommon. The, the other piece, uh, Mark, I, Chris was texting me. Apparently, I called you Chris in the last question I asked. Uh, so I just, I'm going to blame you for that because yeah. I was thinking about that darn dirty breakfast. Yeah, dirty so breakfast. So hard. Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm just thinking, uh-huh, You're getting, mm, you, the hash browns, yeah, you can taste them. Yeah, yeah. And the, what the key they do it here is uh, like because uh, the guy the guy that owns it uh, the place he that does it or he puts chicken broth in the hash like it's more like hash brown like big chunks of, yeah yeah and it makes it next level that's the key to it he doesn't oh. give me the exact ratio but I've tried but it's not the same but he puts it in a chicken broth I, I like anyway trust me try that and it, it'll elevate it'll it's a it's mind blowing experience. Chris, can I get into Canada now? Like, how's the whole border? <laughs> I think I need to go to hunt. I got family in Kitchener, so not too, too far away, Mark. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. All right. No, no. Like, y'all's talking about food. Seriously, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, it it's really good. It comes to this. It, it, yeah. Honestly, every Sunday morning, coffee does. And <laughs> we've been trying to eat our way around Copenhagen. So now I'm thinking about all these places I could just literally go out right now because we live in, like, yeah. the heart of the city here. And I'm like... I could just go out and get things are really big into hot dogs here, like huge, but not just yeah. basic hot dogs. They like they elevate them to a whole new level of just insanity for what a hot dog can be. And yeah. the stands are everywhere. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm I might be getting a hot dog. Yeah. We're getting here in Ottawa, we're getting at the end, the tail end. There's only a couple of hardcore chip trucks that still are open. So you can get the chip truck. Like I, I usually go with the either the Putin pogo combo or even a hot dog if they if they have this you know like they, they grill them and stuff or steamed so i think i might after i'm done here i might uh skip uh skip making lunch and just go find myself uh put it in and find out where the last chip truck is and uh, get my last uh two uh you know fries and a burger or pogo or some uh, chip truck we all hop off this podcast and our significant others look Bye at guys. us like what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. where are we going yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, um, but but as I mentioned, uh, and I think we were talking about it right before we jumped on. Ben just moved from Washington D.C. to San Francisco. Here, I just relocated from Salt Lake City to Copenhagen, Denmark. And if money wasn't an option, where would be one place outside of Ontario you would move to? Uh, I had the chance to go uh, to, to go work in uh, in Switzerland for uh, two and a half weeks, almost three weeks, uh, a little while back, and that would be definitely um, again money would like again I'd have to you know win the lotto because it's the cost of living is very steep there, but it's just yeah. a different lifestyle, and uh, I'm a big cheese guy, and it's like oh yeah. 
again, it goes back to food, of course. It's, it's <laughs> like it's, I think we need a food. Like, it's like almost we need an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> but but it goes just the lifestyle and the pace. And it's just like, you know, nothing like it's not as rushed. It's not as frantic no. as it is here. And also it's like you sit down and they give you the breakfast and it's like uh, it's a nice bread with a bunch of assorted cheeses and jams. And, it, and it's just like, you know, like you have breakfast. It's just everything. And you go for coffee. It's not like there's no drive. You know, you don't drive through a window and they throw it at you and stuff. And, you know, it's just like everything sit down and relax. And when I, yeah. you know, I sit down and lunch and stuff. And anyway, it's just uh, there's a the lifestyle. Like, you know, they just seem to appreciate it more. And it's like anywhere you turn, it, it's like a postcard. Like you've got the Alps here. You know, you're you're an hour and a half away from Italy and a, or two hours, depending where you are. Like it's just the opportunities to travel and see different cultures and stuff. And, and, and again, it's, you make, you know, when you talk to, you talk to people over there and they said, well, what do you do for lunch? Well, because well, sometimes I'm in a rush, you know, I grab something and I eat in the car. He goes like, and he go, well, how much time do you get for lunch? Like, well, you know, half an hour, an hour. He goes like, what did they put it in a trough? Like, are you animals? Like they, they're just, it just boggles their mind that, you know, you, we don't sit down for an hour and a half, two hours for lunch, you know, like it, it's, they think we're like, and it, it is true. Like you're thinking like, what are we such in a rush for? You know, like, so it's just appreciating the culture, but again, the, the, the views and it's everywhere you turn. It's a, it's like a, it's like a painting. Yeah. And that's what I was. So what part of Switzerland were you in? Um, I was running around Bern. And yeah. uh, Freeborg, like okay. so. Anyway, it's just and and we went to, to the the watch district. Uh, then we went to like we went to see, a, a, you know, a cheese, uh, you know, and a watch fire. Anyway, it's just like it's it just again just mind blowing. Like you know, like just how and anything everything is so clean. Like it's just next level. Like you know, it's, and it's Swiss precision. Like it, it was it's funny because they said um, you know like I because I, uh, my hockey mentality is. You know, if you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, whereas them, if you're see, like you're in the lobby and you say, well, you know, show up 10, 15 minutes before the meeting to me, he said, well, we said we meet 11. He goes, but how long have you been here? 15 minutes, but 11, like, it's like, it's like, okay, I thought early. No, no, we say 11. It means 11. We don't want to waste your time. So it was just like, okay, like, it was just like, yeah. mind-boggling. and, and we got on the train once and he goes, we would like to apologize for being late. Uh, da, da, da. We'll try to make it up to you by going. The engineer will go faster. The, the train was one minute late. But again, it's Swiss precision, and that's how they roll. So it was just like, man, they'd be apologizing 24-7 in North America because everything's late. Absolutely. It's it's a different lifestyle. Like, and that's one thing we've figured out over here is – just again, like you said, so much more relaxed. The like you said, you're, you're talking about the Swiss, and of course they're big into the fondues, and all of oh, Europe yeah. is like the fresh bread. Me and my wife were going to be making bread all the time here. We we're looking for pans, and then yeah. we just started having all the fresh bread here. I'm like, yeah. how about we wait on making fresh bread until we relocate back to North America? But while we live here, why don't we just take full advantage of all the fresh baked, the oh. fresh baked bread? I go out every single day to a place called Buka. And I get my, you know, big, huge loaf of sourdough bread and it's still warm and I bring it home and I'm like, okay, let's dig in, you know, and it's a different, and it's it's slow paced. Like you said, with the coffee, you don't get a coffee to go. When you say, oh, I, can I get that to go? They kind of look at you like, oh, like like not offended, just surprised. No, but the, yeah. And, and, and again, like, it's just the idea you go there and I was able to, you know, I was lucky enough to, to, to make friendships with those guys and they invited me over to, uh, to have dinner with them and stuff. And, and this guy had nice state, like nice house and stuff And there, but their fridges 
um, they, their home fridges for a family is basically a bar fridge. Like what we have is a bar fridge. Like everything's fresh. They like you leave work, you go pick up like uh, the vegetables, the meat, the, the like the, the baked goods and stuff. The the idea of doing a Costco run and having food there for a week and not going like stopping at the market or stopping anywhere like it it, it just boggles our mind. I said like my my fridge at home for you know wife two kids is the size of your dresser. You know, and they go like, what do you mean? Like what what, what are you talking yeah. about? Like it's just it's it's just funny how to see you like and you kind of look but take a step and you come back here and you kind of say like what the heck are we in a for like you know like it's, yeah. it's just funny like just a different 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 way of operating yeah and i just think it's the big difference that i've, I've figured out here not to go off on too much on europe and north america but uh like the maximum working week here in in denmark by law is 37 hours and i've worked part-time jobs where they take you up to 39 because they don't want to put you at 40 and yeah. give you benefits yeah yeah Unbelievable. And so, yeah, they're relaxed. I had worked, I had worked 40 hours by, I think, Wednesday at noon yeah. this week. Yeah. So. yeah. No, it, it's true. Like, you have talked to some small business owners, and they, like you say, they, they work 80, 100 hour, 100 hour weeks. And, uh, you know, that's, that's like, uh, that's a two, that's not even two weeks uh, over there. So, and again, uh, work life balance, I think uh, they've got it figured out a little better than we do. Oh, 100%. So final question for you, and well, at least at least for me, and there's no pressure, Mark, who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year? I know we're only eight games in, nine games in some cases. I may have money riding on this, so there's no pressure, but I'd really appreciate a good recommendation. Again, to me, it's like, a, you know, the old Ric Flair reference, you know, the, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. So I think I think Tampa is going to be hard to woo. I think Tampa is going to be hard to beat because, again, they're, they're big and they're strong in all the right places. And that probably the biggest and strongest guy they have is in net. And uh, I just like yeah. uh, for like I, I can't see anybody unless unless Vasilevsky gets hurt or or Hedman gets hurt or you know like you, you put on Vasilevsky I have a hard time seeing him lose four out of seven games and you know just with the and I know they've lost some of their like uh, you know they lost Goudreau they lost Coleman some of their secondary pieces but you know the top end is so high and you know so. Uh, like again, I'd like to see them do well and uh, and get there again to kind of reinforce the dynasty thing that you can still, if you do it right and you know you draft well and make a couple of strategic trades, and not blow your brains out with uh, free agency. You know, like you can still make a team from. And I'm hoping that that that's what happens with my Senators. That like, they're looking good and young, so hopefully that's the blueprint that they follow. So in a couple of years the Sens like uh, are able to, to contend with all the good young talent they have, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bet uh, against uh, Tampa this year. Do you think Brady's going to be captain? Do you think that's happening? Well, again, that's just like, it's the worst kept secret. Like they, uh, like, anyway, it's like, I don't get it. Like we went the last minute, my wife and I decided a uh, date night. And I said, Oh, we don't want to go to the Sens games. We went to the San Jose game was first game back. And I kept expecting, uh, hoping like, you know, they wouldn't say keep it low key. And then, him just come out for the, the you know beginning of the game and he'd have it to yeah, see yeah. on to kind of reward the fans that paid to go see the game you know and it's still waiting so i don't get it because they <laughs> said you know we, they like they keep saying well we weren't going to give anybody a captaincy on a bridge deal and you know people that are here long term and well if that was the case you could have already given it to shabbat 
right? Because he's he's was signed last year for seven. So again, I don't know what they're waiting for, but again, it's he seems like the kind of guy that that you want a young yeah. face for a Theresa franchise, like Eiserman was, or you know, like a young guy that grows old, and by the time they get to the you know the the glory years, he'll be in his prime, and he'll have you know been there and learned what it takes to to get there. So I'm yeah, I'm hoping it's him. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the right call. I mean, I heard names being tossed around all the time, but just looking at the way, and I generally personally don't believe in in putting C's on young players, but Brady's kind of an exception. I just think he he's kind of been a leader on that team almost since the day he stepped on the ice with them, and. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the coaching staff has to figure out locker room personalities and stuff like that. But he just seems like it's just a natural captain for that team. Yeah, 100%. But, uh, no, it's been really good and fun talking hockey with you on this podcast. And um, breakfast. Oh, and, and breakfast, breakfast and food. <laughs> now, now I'm only thinking about food again, uh, which I will be doing within uh, 30 seconds of us <laughs> wrapping up this podcast as I will be – going straight to the fridge my little european pantry european fridge that would easily fit into my utah pantry four times over so i understand what you're talking about there (laughs) but we do want to thank uh we do want to thank you our special guest uh the commissioner of the eastern ontario junior hockey league mark frosh for jumping on with us this morning thanks it was a real lot of fun guys so anytime uh Anytime you want to talk or maybe have a pre-playoff panel or stuff like this, I'm always ready to talk hockey. Let's do that. Let's definitely do that. Or breakfast. Uh, Or breakfast. Yeah, just have the breakfast episode. Yes, breakfast episode. Put me down for breakfast episode. (laughs) We might actually do that, but I actually will need to have food in front of me or that'll be rough. So I think we all need to be eating for the breakfast episode. (laughs) I'm sure that'll be very, very good radio for all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can just hear me salivating. <laughs> but we also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share in upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. Or truthfully, even breakfasts. This was a Sunday morning coffee edition of Pigeon Hockey with Chris and Ben. Bacon or sausage, I'm having both. <laughs> and remember, always clear your crease.